You're listening to DraftKings Network. Folks, Mother's Day is around the corner, and let me talk to you about 1-800-Flowers. I can't wait. Every year, it's a tradition. I send stuff to my mother, my mother-in-law, and my wife because they are three amazing moms. They're better than all your moms out there. You think you have good moms? No, I have good moms in my life. I'm just kidding. This was a little harsh. I'm sure you guys all have good moms too. From your mom to the mother of your children and all the moms in between, this Mother's Day, give back to the ones that have given you everything. 1-800-Flowers helps you celebrate all amazing moms from homemade bouquets, sweet treats, gourmet food, and one-of-a-kind gifts ordered easily and delivered fresh. For a limited time, you can save up to 40% off Mother's Day bestsellers at 1-800-Flowers.com slash Dan. Don't wait. Order today and save up to 40% at 1-800-Flowers.com slash Dan. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family-owned from the start, same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB, the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Welcome to another South Beach Sessions. He's Dominique Foxworth. He is one of the most thoughtful and respected voices you'll find on ESPN or Anywhere, frankly, the intersection of sports, race, culture, business. You know him as an NFL cornerback. He turned president of the NFL Players Association, COO of the NBA Players Association, NBA from Harvard. You know all the stuff. He's a smart guy, smart football player. He's not a caveman. He's not a dumb-dumb. He knows how to do things, and I, he's my friend, and I love him. And I wanted to talk to him about love and the way that men athletes, masculine types, reacted to, uh, I thought of you when I saw the cover, because I know that you live in service of your wife in a way that is beautiful, and I saw the cover of Vogue magazine, and Rihanna's on it, and Aesop Rocky is carrying their baby behind her, and I thought the reaction to that was funny when it was met with just masculinity. I don't want to say... Black masculinity, but masculinity. People thought he shouldn't be walking behind her. He should be He should be the man. He should be strong. Like, I felt like the reaction was absurd. It, it's just, I mean, I think with most, most things, if we're honest with ourselves, it's we're not reacting to, especially when something's not impacting us. We're not reacting to what's happening as much as we're using an opportunity to, like, tell the world something about ourselves. Because <laughs> anybody, for anybody to have a problem with that, well, let's not make it about the problem, though. Just explain to me, uh, because I have learned this. I grew up I grew up in a traditionally Hispanic household. All I saw around me was women in service of men. I thought that wearing the pants in the family, a man does that. Yeah. And when I got married, found love, all those things, I'm like, oh, my God, I was such a fucking idiot. I'm such an idiot. Like, that's not the right way to do it just because it's the way that's always been done in my culture. I need this woman to teach me what my blind spots are. I have to trust her. I have to be vulnerable with her. I have to live in service of her. So I think it's there are there's a history of in American culture of black masculinity being undercut. So I think maybe that's part of the people who are using this as some other way to say something else. And like I, I 
then say that though. Don't get mad at the picture because I think the picture with the picture represents is something that is very relatable to black people is like women being the head of the household because that's how it was in my house. And like my dad was a military veteran, able-bodied, smart, uh, awesome guy. But you know who made the decisions? <laughs> my mom. And this, and I think that I, I probably followed that um, framework a bit myself. Oh, but my mom, my mom tricked me, right? Because she was, uh, they, so they come she was over. secretly making the decisions. Yeah, she was secretly making them, but propping <laughs> yeah. up the idea of my father as masculine role model as is only correct in Latin culture. The, the man must be in charge of the house. We have a running joke in my family that I, I brought to everyone's attention that um, my wife is best in the crisis. And so we had a, a flight canceled. So we're on this trip. We were we went out to Aspen first and we landed in Denver and our connecting flight to Aspen was canceled. And she snaps into action. I grab all the kids and I go sit down on a bench and entertain them for the hour it takes for her to find out where our bags are, get them out, set up a sprinter van to drive us through a blizzard and convince them that they needed to do it no matter what they thought they were doing tonight. They're driving this motherfucking family to Aspen. And I sat there and played games and entertained the kids because I know what time it is. I know where my skills lie. If we need to fight somebody, I'm there. <laughs> if we need to figure something out, she's got it. And there are, I mean, obviously there are now, things. you thought you were good at crisis management yes you thought you were fine no you yeah. thought you can handle yeah. anything not like that and i mean i i guess i would ask you like what what was it in your life where did you discover because you you talk about this transformation but you talk about it like you hit a switch which that's not how oh, no, but it's, no but it's not a switch so i go i'm i'm in my late 40s and i have hardened into the repressed certainty of I'm good alone. I'm fine with somebody else, but we're going to serve my career. I don't have kids. I'm going to have fun, enjoy myself and enjoy the freedom that uh, my parents came to get from me. And it's going to be, you'll pry the freedom out of my cold, dead fingers. I will not take much in the way of advice. I don't need consultation. I'm a formed human being. I know what I want and what I've wanted is what I've always had. That didn't actually make me happy, mm. which is, the recreation of the patterns of the woman serves the man, woman serves the man, woman serves the man. And without ever thinking, well, that's not right. It's just what I saw everywhere. It wasn't just at home. It was all the Latin culture friends. It was all my grandparents. It's it's what I inherited. And so I wasn't thinking about it much. The career was first and everything else was second. And then she comes into my life and just sort of knocks me over. Like it wasn't women were trying to show me right. before that. They were trying to show me, but they were doing it subtly. And trying to show me doesn't work. I have to see it for myself. Like, I had to see for myself. God almighty, I was a fucking idiot. Was an example of the time where you realize, I mean, I, they happen all the time. I gave you that example. For me, is the most recent one. There's so many of them in my life. where, But I, it wasn't something that I had to learn. It was something that I was, I was looking for without knowing I was looking for it. You know, it's like when I'm in relationships with other women, I'm like, oh. I wasn't conscious, but I was like, oh, this doesn't feel right. I was looking for someone who was like, had all the things that I wanted, but also could take care of things and and could like convince me of things that I needed to convince of. Not to say that, like, I'm not trying to make her into some sort of deity. Like, that would be absurd and probably unfair of me to do of her, but... But you respect her from there, and yeah. you're, like, you're sort of amazed. You're, yeah. you're daily odd. Now, you're an impressive human being. You can accomplish. You can conquer. You can do big things in sports and business. 
Uh, but I have been awed by her strength. Like that, one of the great humblings here is is the realization. Oh my God! Why did women ever give power to the men in this in this country and in this world? We cannot be trusted with this power. They are so much better than us. You used the word called freedom when you were talking about uh, the life that you had before, and I don't know. What do you? It's something that's been bouncing around in my head for a while. It's like the idea of what is actual freedom. Because everybody is like beholden to something. It's kind of choosing what you're beholden to. So like the idea that when you're a bachelor, you have freedom. Yeah, you can do whatever you want. But you aren't free. You're beholden to something and someone at all times. And those like expectations can feel like a burden if you don't appreciate that there is nothing that doesn't come without some cost or some price in the the exchange rate on what I get for whatever, like, air quotes, freedom I'm oh, giving but up. No, but I got to tell you, though, with me, though, what I got was this This was so interesting to me. And it. Uh, I don't know that she could have given me a greater gift uh, or a greater learning. Um it became it became very easy to give away freedom when I can trust uh, yeah. that that if I followed the way that she loved me and what I was feeling inside, I could have joy for the first time, like real real joy because I was sharing it with somebody who was so impressive to me that I just wanted to please her because pleasing her made me happier than anything else makes me. I don't like I don't even know if I knew what freedom looked like. My father might be on the autistic scale in terms of uh, like being able to communicate to me that he's proud of me or that he loves me. Like there might be something there that is very hard for him to do. And I don't I think some of that is in me, too. Like, I think you said it was trust. When when was your trust broken? I don't know that I was hurt. Um, by a lack of trust, I feel like I was just trusting, uh, I trusted in myself. Let, let me, let me see if I have this right, because I, no one's ever asked me that question, but, um, my parents come over here as exiles. You get embedded into the identity of don't trust anybody. Like don't, we've got each other and nobody else. You've got the family, you've got the people, don't trust anybody. And, uh, so I don't. I don't know that it's because the trust was ever broken. It's I, I think it was because the trust I never gave it. I just never I just never gave it and never gave it any thought either. You said you you learned what your mom was doing was like kind of propping up. I guess like not really propping up. This is so imagine. Okay, so your exile parents get here. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the language. They don't have any money. Uh, they've left their families behind. They're teenagers and they have a kid. Um, and they're in a different country. I mean, I don't know what those formative impressions are. My whole family was just very small, and that's what we had. You have this freedom and work. Those are the three things you have. You don't need anything else. You don't, no one else has to be here. I can look through, without having realized it while it was happening, my parents never had the inheriting of another family because my brother and I were with women and had to allow another family into our lives. You grew up a thousand times faster than I did. I guess in certain ways. 
you arrived at your wife knowing what you wanted in your 20s in your in but the your, thing is that changes the thing uh, uh, being 18 doesn't make you an adult being 25 doesn't make you adult i'm 40 i turned 40 earlier this week it doesn't make you like an adult in the idea that you're fully formed i'm different i'm a lot more different now than i was five years ago probably more different than i was from the time when i was 15 to 18 from the time that i'm 35 to 38 so like that's one of the most interesting things and like i don't know where you are in this stage of your relationship with valerie is you grow in ways where you grow away and you grow back together and life changes and circumstances change. No, but this is a part I wasn't doing. I wasn't doing the growing inside of a relationship. Right. I was doing the growing for myself or whatever I thought was growing. I wasn't doing it with someone else. I wasn't doing the sharing of it. It was like, here, come over here, support career, support who I am, support what I'm doing. This is a great life, isn't it? It's pretty great to be with me. Let's go do fun, great things together and and not grow. That's the ego thing. Cause like I remember thinking like that when I was in college. <laughs> but that's why I'm saying yeah. you are an adult faster yeah. than I am. This is the, the precise of the reason I'm saying I, I don't know if I have uh, like this is such a whopping generalization. I think I've said it to you before, but just my experience with the three different cultures, black culture, white culture, Cuban culture, is that black boys grow up faster, become more adult in more worldly things because life is hard. Much faster than the average white boy and very last back there somewhere is Cuban Cuban boy who's still stuck under his mom's dress or or being, you know, masculine testosterone guy. I'm going to, you know, this is cliche, obviously, but I'm going to open my shirt, be cold chains. I'm going to wear cologne and I'm going to be a womanizer. I'm going to be a Lothario. I'm going to be faithful to no one, especially not love. Those things, I feel like uh, it's like a, <laughs> my parents brought my, my son a rock tumbler. And so it's like just a thing that spins. You put like rocks in it and then it spins them for like two days. It'll spin it. And then the rock comes out like smooth and shiny and presentable. And it's a kind of a imperfect metaphor, but obviously like you have to bang up against some stuff to like be formed into something that's worth. And it feels like you were anytime something was a little bit uncomfortable. Like, nah, this ain't for me. Pretty much, yes. Uh, and if and and it's this is where so much of learning is, right? Where you can only you can only do some of this growing unless you go toward the pain. Yeah. That I don't know that people listening to this understand this this part of it that there's growth on the other side of pain and that you should choose it on the front end. People can say that after they've done it, right? And say, yeah, I'm grateful. And I, I don't have any regret about that awful thing that happened to me that I learned from. But choosing it on the front end, I never chose it. I never risked the vulnerability involved to actually give yourself over to a woman. Mm -hmm. Just submitted all ego, vanity, just showing all of yourself, all your insecurities, all your vulnerabilities so that she is your safe space. She's got all your treasures, all the things you don't show anybody. Whatever the fat is on me that represses uh, whatever it is those feelings are that only are for her. Like she ends up opening them up because it was safe to be there. Like I don't I don't imagine that you had the same experience with growing up that I did. I never had to be an adult. I can always be a child just covering sports and concentrating on my work. I notice in talking to you that your work is the place because that's I guess that's Cuban culture or that's just your culture. Well it's no freedom. The only way to real freedom from communist uh, any any kind of communism is you have to work. 
But you I've ha- seen the American you. dream. You have to work. Work is the thing. Nothing else matters. My family lived in support of the work. Every sacrifice was made in support of the work. But I've seen you in pain over work. I've rarely seen you in pain over like romantic relationship stuff. No, but you've only known me with Valerie. This is yeah. the happiest version of me. I get it, but I guess my point is you I would have seen those other things if you were available. Like I've known you I've, I've known you before you met Valerie. And the road Valerie's been different than any other road, but like you were going through things that I went through when I was in my early to mid 20s relationship-wise and it wasn't like changing you. But that's different for me when I watch you at work, it's like, or when I talk to you about work, I talk to you about these other things. It's like, I guess that's the the cultural thing where it's like, you know, this is hard. You know, this sucks. And it's worth getting banged around in the rock tumbler here. But over there, no, (laughs) like I'm not going to throw myself in there. I'm not going to expose myself to that until, until now. Well, but wait a minute, you couldn't have gotten to Ashley. There's no way you got to Ashley saying I'm going to put down my patterned thoughts of what masculinity is supposed to be in black culture, in athletic culture, in whatever it is you were doing in your late teens and early 20s. There's no way you arrived at her doorstep knowing exactly what you wanted to grow. Of course not. But I was closer to it because I had the example that I wanted to see. While your parents were happily married, presumably, you had... uh, uh, you you said your mom like created a facade of what was actually going on. Like I saw it, I saw what was happening in my house, and I saw the relationship that was there, and I wanted it, something like it. And what that meant to me was I needed a strong black woman. Um, uh, and I guess she didn't have to be black. I dated a white girl when I was in college who was like uh, f- from a similar situation, and just a strong woman who was smart. Like that was the biggest thing for me. Like. You need to be hot. You need to be smart. And like the funniest thing about going through those experiences is this is going to sound ridiculous to 18 or 22 year old me. Hot doesn't matter that much at all. And like, there's no disrespect to my wife. Still super hot. (laughs) Right. However, but like, no, you got to live with somebody, man. You got to live with somebody and chase kids around and hot only helps you so much. If you've got a, you know, a baby that's sick or you've got uh, six hours of work to do that you didn't expect parenthood to come with. And I say this to all the men that are listening that different stuff gets sexy when you get older and like the other stuff doesn't go away. Like I'm on South Beach right now. I look and I'm like, damn, that'd be fun. But also like. Last night, my wife was lacing up my kids' um, ice skating or ice skates before we went ice skating last night. Uh, and just like, yeah, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's hard to explain no, you, because well, it's no, like, I don't think, I don't think it's just it's, like, no, I don't think it's that hard like, to God explain. Damn, that's mine and I no, love it and I appreciate but, but, it and I, I can't it, wait to show it. But how is it hard to, ex- how is it hard to explain that you admire the woman that you love, that you're awed by her, that you respect her so much because the daily things that you see in the loving of those children is something that teaches you about how to love better, how oh. to be a better dad, because you're following her. Dwayne Wade got in all sorts of trouble when he said, Gabrielle Union, I follow, I follow. She's a light, I follow. 
Yeah, I mean, I do too. And <laughs> it's fine. Like, I was, I'm attracted to the way that she explained how to better do their job to the United people. And she was right. And she made everyone's day a little easier because she's smarter than all of them. And she looked at the process and was like, how about you guys do this, this, and this? And this will be better for me. And this will also be better for you. It'll be also better for everyone in here. I know this is tough. And like, she handled it. And she's a, like, I give her a hard time. I don't want her to change, but it's like, she's a stay at home mom. She could be so many other things. She's sacrificing everything that she could be to make sure that your children and her home get taken care of correctly. People wave around my Harvard Business School degree like it makes me special. My wife has two postgraduate degrees from Harvard. One is a law degree, which is actually hard to get into. And that's two of her three postgraduate degrees on top of her mighty Maryland Terrapin degree. And like, it's also incredibly charismatic and attractive. Like she could be a huge success in any field that she uh, desires. It's personal and all that stuff. But like the, the applying all that to my family is like more valuable than anything you could earn, you know? And it's, but it's the greatest treasure, right? It, it makes it so that it doesn't become hard for you to make sure to be home and present emotionally as opposed to going and doing a thousand television shows because you could keep conquering like an athlete conquered. I'm not even talking about, right. I'm not talking about conquest. I'm talking about you can have 10 businesses right now if that's what you chose. If you chose to put your mind to, I want to be an entrepreneur who is just running shit, you could do it over 10 businesses right now. What do you care about? I mean, I, I, I'm asking you this question, but I think that's the question that I asked myself when I got out of business school because I went to business school with the plan of turning my football contract into like hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was like, you know where I can go do that? Harvard Business School. I'm going to study so I can get good enough at the, the entrance exam that I can get in the GMAT, like the standardized exam to get in. I spent a year doing that. And then I went to school and was like, I'm going to get really good and make all these relationships and learn everything so that I can work my balls off in the next chapter. And then I'm gonna make hundreds of millions of dollars. There was, uh, he's dead now, a professor in Clayton Christensen who had, uh, you know how everyone used disrupt as a business term. He's the one who started that term. Everyone misuses it, but it doesn't matter. He used his theory to apply that to the way you manage your life. And the, the core question is an obvious one, but it's how will you measure your life? He had a, an illness that he knew was going to kill him. And he, so it changed the way that he approached it and taking his class and thinking like, how will I measure my life? That's the first time I'd ever thought that because you become professionalized as an athlete, a good athlete at a young age. Well, not only professionalized, but you're, I mean, I don't even know how you have the bandwidth to concentrate to get to the top of what you got to the top of. I don't know how you have any time to concentrate on anything else. It's so competitive. That's because I'm awesome. So you didn't answer my question. How do you measure your life? You asked me what I wanted. That's what you asked me. And how do I measure my life? Those are two different questions. Uh, what I want is um, joy. I'll tell you a story. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit embarrassing uh, because I've gone looking for it all over and tried to be open-minded about it. And I ended up like, you know, in a room doing silly things, banging on pillows loud as I can and sort of praying to uh, my dead uh, grandparents, all of whom died single and alone and uh, was a real disconnected, dry family that didn't have a lot of happiness in it. The therapist was asking me to pray, to like let go of 
whatever my constrictions were about how stupid all of this was, right? Because I was, I did not like any of what we were doing to pray to, uh, my grandparents for, uh, joy to have a different experience with life than the patterns that were handed down to me by, I would say joyless people who had to fight to get away from like some evil shit. Um, and had to only trust themselves. And from within that, I began much of the the work that ended up being open enough to allow the vulnerability that I now give to Valerie in the, in the name of, I wish to get to joy, right? I wish I have all the things anybody in my position would want in terms of material things, freedoms, and openness. Uh, I just needed someone to share that those things with so we could both build the relationship of growing, right? And now the work is getting in the way of it. Now I want to get home to my wife, but we're building a company, and I didn't realize how hard building a company would be. I didn't. <laughs> an idiot, right? Just an idiot. Just an idiot. I'm just sorry. an idiot. I thought Skipper would build the company. I could just be over here farting around with my friends three hours a day. <sighs> Stugatz here for my friends over at Simply Safe. When you travel, do concerns back home nag you? Did you lock up? Did you leave a window open? That's why I recommend investing in Simply Safe Home Security today for award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. I've had Simply Safe in my home for many years now. The peace of mind it gives me, especially during the summertime when I'm all over the place, is incredible. Because I know the things I care about, the things I value back home. I can always keep an eye on it using Simply Safe's indoor and outdoor cameras. So do me a favor. Before you head out on your next vacation, make sure to protect your whole home with Simply Safe variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, plus add sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day, no contracts to worry about, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. So right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash dlb there's no safe like simply safe yeah well, you talked about this on the show today how um early on when you first started having these thoughts we talked about me coming over and i was like nah man building oh, well, but, no hard, but no bro. but see i yeah, yes it's been hard but i thought for sure with someone like you and with surrounding myself with so many people who loved me that it would be less hard that it would just be I, that I would get more of that joy by being able to share this with everyone I care about. What in what in this has been? I know we talked about earlier that like no one is like happy to be in the pain while they're in the pain, but afterwards they realize that it shaped you. What in this process do you think has shaped you? Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, <laughs> um, doing it with my wife. Now this one's going to be. Um, interesting right because she is the muse here she's the only reason i was able to do any of this i would not have been able to have the bravery man espn such an easy gig just go in there talk you it's got great. this you got the safety net um it would have been safe forever would have been safe forever just don't make waves just stay there 20 years take the paychecks um tony and mike do pti until you're 80 uh it would be great uh, but I want a different experience with my work, with my life, with the balance. I want to be able to have picnics with my wife. I want to be able to go do things around the work. I want it. I want the work to serve me, take me places, have me live 
uh, fun things, make story, make good things all over the place, film, story, tell, uh, have legacy, journalism legacy in Miami, have jobs for everybody, and also enjoy the holy hell out of the work. That's a lot of responsibility. No, but I couldn't have done any of it. I wouldn't have chosen any of it if I didn't have the strength at my back to choose something that would be inspirational in the service of love. But it, te it gets tested, right? Because I want to be at home not thinking about any of this stuff. Not any of it. I want to be at home with my wife connected. And my wife, who does not care about sports, I, I don't know what she referred to the Super Bowl as, but it wasn't the Super Bowl. Like, <laughs> I, the other day I was trying to explain to her, I'm like showing her a Miami, the Miami game. I'm like, you don't understand the Miami program. It's getting to the final four here. And as I'm explaining it to her, she walks away from me. <laughs> like the game's on the television. I'm like, I've been covering this team since it was in a ballroom in the James L. Knight Center down the street. There were like 2,000 people there. 40 years they've been trying to... That she walks, uh, that's isn't interesting to her. She wants me to tell bigger stories. She does not want me to sit here hitting this same dumb drum for the next, for the next 30 years, just banging next to, uh, you know, she wants me to, to do b bigger things, better things. And I only believe that I can do them from outside of the safety of ESPN and here, uh, because, um, I'm in pursuit of the light that comes with with sharing this balance with her like she's doing this with me she's not this is very much her job like it's not i need support at home because what i'm doing is is difficult what keeps you here though because you have the financial wherewithal well it's what i built all my life i've spent if 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 I had this conversation, listen to this. You built it all your life to get to the point to where you can live your life, the life that you want to live. I'm going to tell you an interesting story. So I'm I'm on a I'm on a park bench with my father, okay, and this was a couple of weeks ago. My mother's in surgery, hip surgery. She's got an assortment of ailments that make. I don't know if she's going to come out of this surgery. And I'm with my dad, and I'm sitting there, and I'm talking to him about gratitude, and we're looking at the water. I'm talking to him about came from Cuba to come here and give me a better life. Used to go to Chicago, hates the cold every week. Used to go Friday, Monday through Friday. Didn't want to uproot me because work was the most important thing. Dan's on a path to college. Dan's going to succeed. Was going to Chicago on uh, Monday through Friday and coming back. And I'm talking to my father about how grateful I am for all that they sacrificed while not knowing if my mother's going to come out of this surgery. And as I'm talking to him, uh, wanting him to be proud of everything that he did so that I can have all the, the, so that I could build a media company in Miami, the place that he chose for us when he was dreaming about American dreams in his twenties. How do I get to warm Miami and build a paradise? I got a media company here that has jobs for people in Miami that wouldn't exist if this, if this thing we built hadn't been here. And I'm looking at him as I'm talking to him, and I'm like, and, and I'm trying to get him emotionally to understand how grateful I am and how loving and beautiful this is. And in the moment that I'm with him feeling this, and he, I can't reach him on it, right? Because I just can't reach him on a connection that is just like, appreciate with me as mom might die here, this wonderful thing that you helped me build. I had the very strong feeling of, well, if work was the only thing that mattered and you're not going to enjoy this with me right now as we worry about your wife's possible death and my mother's possible death, then why were we doing it? 
Like, why was why did I have to obsess so much for 30 years in the work and the doing of the work, the identity of the work, if at the end of it, it's not going to be something I enjoy? So when you say that people change or they change as they go, what I've learned in the doing of this is that if I don't enjoy it, no matter how successful it is, it will be unsuccessful. Like if it can, it could be a, a billion dollar company and it's irrelevant if I do not figure out the way to create the balance so that this, this is all a joyful experience. And have you created that balance? Not yet, but I'm closer to it than I've ever been. Right. I, I, I'm closer to it because I have an awareness. I, I have a, I, unfortunately what I did is like the hardest thing in the middle of it. Hey, start a business when I didn't think it was going to be hard. I didn't, I, you look at me like I'm an idiot. You know me enough to know that that's true. I didn't think it was going to be hard. You never answered how you measure your life. So when you're sitting, when you put yourself in your dad's shoes years from now, I don't know what you imagine the moment will be. Are you be. asking me a legacy question? Because no. I don't have kids. No, you're I'm not asking you a legacy question. I'm asking you, like you said, what was it you wanted to like grab your father and like then what was it all for? So when you're 80... And I don't know where you'll be sitting or what'll be the the moment that causes you to have like a life flash before your eyes moment. What's going to be, what are the words that you want to hear said to you that will have you say, man, no matter what happens from here, I did it. Well, I think you'd say them. I think if I asked you right now, based on how you know me, based on the specifics of what you and I have experienced... I refuse to answer the question. Listen to me. I asked you the question. No, listen to me. You think I'm deflecting here and I'm not deflecting because I think that you would say of me the words that I would want said of me, just knowing what you know about me as a person, as a professional, how it is that I've tried to work with you, what it is that I've tried to do through my work, supporting the things that you are, not just voice, but creativity giving you a confidence when you got here raw to like, oh, that's a special dude who seems really decent and all he would need is just some some fertilizer on you could do it however you want in this world. You had that confidence. You don't need me to have that confidence, but, but I helped you there. That's what I would want from the people who have worked around me, people who know me, people who care about me, people who loved me. And then beyond that, I will have wanted to enjoy this more than I have up to now because I learned some things along the way that brought me closer to joy. What did you, so I, I guess I, I'm, I did a poor job. So you got me all off track because now I'm all emotional, emotional about all the things that I've never said to you about what you've provided for me. Cause it's, it was something that I needed at that point in my life. And it was great example it was uh not just an example but a place to go and say oh we don't have to do it this way but i'm going to move that aside and i'm going to force you to answer this question so like i will i will paint the whole scenario for you if it helps because what i'm imagining is there is somebody you know the shoes that you were in when you were talking to your father and you were trying to get him to have a moment there will be somebody sitting next to you at a funeral at something when we're all old and one of us dies we're going to be at a funeral and someone's going to say something to you, trying to reach that same spot for you that you were trying to reach for your father. What is that person going to have to say for you to reach that spot? 
What's the question they're going to have to ask? Why is it, and forgive me for getting stuck in the mud here, that you're saying you're going to get emotional with what it is that I have done for you. And in there, to me, is the question that would end up getting asked. Like, you, I don't, I don't mean to get too no, deep I, in the weeds here. No, but like, I, I, I know exactly I, what you're saying, and that's why I think this work kills you. Is <laughs> because you love me the same way you love Billy, the same way you love Roy, the same way you love Chris, the same way you love Mike, same way you love Stu. Like this is family to you, and I think that's what it would be. Is if all of us and all people like that have had that opportunity, and we are in a place that makes us happy, is that well? And you would be telling, and and you would be telling others. You would also be telling others who I was because you actually got to know me because you, yeah, because you, said, you know me for real, and that you can you can articulate to others who it is that I was. Does that not answer your question? You said that I was asking a legacy question, and you deflected it by saying you don't have any children. You have a legacy. You don't need to have children have legacy. Like uh, we, <laughs> like we are. Like I think Bomani would even speak to this, and all. And like obviously, we all w would have success or have done other things without you. But I think we've all been shaped by you to some degree. Pablo and like and Mina and all of us have been made better by having gone through this <laughs> opposite of a pressure cooker. Because I think all of us are like more uh like thrive in those environments and then we got here and was like oh this is different that and so that i mean i guess that does that feel like legacy to well you? you you think you think i'm avoiding your question you and, are but and, and no but hold on because i don't I, what i'd like this to be as it grows and goes forward is i'd like to be more vulnerable with people i'd like to show them more of myself i would like to be less of an interviewer who hides behind the shield of i can ask questions well and never i i said this to somebody the other day who said do you always ask so many questions of others and as i'm walking away flippantly i just shouted over my shoulder yes it's an excellent way to avoid intimacy people love talking about themselves so if i ask you a million things about you i never have to show anybody the real me i can hide Forever in the asking of questions. I feel like this must be what your early girlfriends felt like. It's where you say, like, I'm in for intimacy. I'll answer your questions. And then you don't. You, know, you just keep telling them what? that you are. What? Because, like, the point of me asking you the question isn't necessarily to get the answer. As much as it is to understand how you think. And you keep saying, why don't you answer the question? No, I don't want to answer the question. I want to know what you think. I want to know but what, I would what love makes to, you think. I would love to know that the people that I admire, that I respect, that I love, that what I gave to them was something of value that made them happier. You have. So then, again, back to the other question. Why do you keep coming back here? You've done that. Is You've it over? Is no. it over? Can I just leave? Can I leave now? Can this be my retirement? This is the point. Like, you, you use the word freedom, and when you guys left ESPN, it was freedom, and everything is about being free, and you, like, you have all the freedom, and with that freedom, you still haven't put yourself in a place where you say that you want to be. I'm trying. You're not. You're not. How can you possibly say that? You're not. If if this thing that we're building here is what I believe it's going to be and what the audience roots for it to be, uh, the, the starting point, I wanted the audience to know and I wanted to talk to you, someone I trust and someone I could be vulnerable with about this stuff. Um, 
like I want them to have a clear understanding of where it is that I'm trying to take this thing and why it is that I'm trying to take it there. Like I want to make an attempt to be more vulnerable because um, I think that it would have value for me therapeutically to show my to to reveal more of myself to everyone, like employees, uh, listeners, everyone. Throw everything out there and have it all be judged in the name of the real freedom that I seek in both uh, my marriage and my work so that I may have balance. What is it that you think people don't know about you that they want to know or that you want them to know? Because I, I know things that about you that I wish that other people knew, but... But that's the stuff I was trying to get you to say when you were trying to tell me that I was deflecting your question. Because in there, I in, in there to me is the soulful stuff. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days, spring's the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering on. Challenge yourself. And Peloton's classes were made just for that, to challenge you. There's a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve what you already excel in. Plus, if you don't know which class to take to reach your fitness goals, guess what? You can join one of Peloton's many programs. Right now, I'm in a strength program with Andy and a core program with Emma. They're expert coaches like Andy and Emma, and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. With Peloton, you don't need to worry about driving to the gym, making it to class on time. You can do it all from the comfort of your own home whenever it fits your busy schedule. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. You um, picked me up from the hotel today with my kids around. Was there ever a time when you imagined that your life would be like that? That you'd be chasing around three kids I've done so little thinking in my life about having kids. This is the first time I've ever considered it, which seems too late given that I'm, you know, 54 years old and uh, I'm getting late to this party. But yes, I would love to have kids uh, with my wife in a stable America and a stable world that welcomes a child that isn't going to be buried by climate change in 30 years uh, because we've left them some terrible world apocalyptic world that is civil war fighting so at the very first time that i'm thinking about having kids after 50 years on this earth is also the very first time i'm thinking about that kid being devoured by the earth so that's you i'm not trying i'm not trying to actively have kids but i'm not not trying to oh. actively have kids man all of me your sex life now well, I mean, that's you, what you're asking you, me. No, I'm not. That's not what I'm asking you. What I'm asking you, and you've managed to artfully deflect and blame it on the earth this time, is like the idea that 50 years ago the world was a better place to bring kids into. Not true. Shit sucked then too. Shit sucks now. Shit's going to suck in the future. Do you regret not having kids? I do not regret not having kids it's not something that i've given much thought to until recently like it's not i did not want kids or think about the having of kids or the responsibility of kids or the interruption of kids i did not think about that until the last couple of years the cuban masculinity that you talked about like surprises me that like carry on the name your parents did all they did to get you here. Is any part of you feel bad for not? That, I've always thought of that as kind of selfish, the idea of carrying on your name uh, as if 
that is something that would be important enough to take on the undertaking of responsibility and difficulty and challenge that is raising a child correctly with love and with knowing how to properly impart with care functional things on a human being so that that human being can have a better life than the one that you knew. That seems really hard. It seems like an enormous responsibility that is also a little bit terrifying to me. It always seemed like that? Yes, because my mother worked in an anti-abortion clinic uh, growing up. Like she was, uh, like I saw so much in my childhood of women under great difficulty and duress being encouraged to have children and sex and the having of children being a scary thing, being a thing that brought bad consequences if you had a if you had a child, brought a child into the world, and then had the responsibility of that child getting in the way of whatever achievement is. When you're in the room with your father and your mom's in surgery, is, it never crossed your mind. And maybe I'm assuming something about your mother that I shouldn't assume. Well, what I, what I say of my mother is the old Gary Shandling joke, right? Because I was very much under my mother's skirt for a long time in my life without knowing it. But it's the old Gary Shandling joke. And this, I never saw this. And nobody ever had the courage to tell me or inform me of it, which bums me out because I would have liked to have seen it. Uh, the Gary Shandling joke is, uh, of course, my mother wants me to have kids, but not with somebody else. <laughs> Your, your mother's relationship uh, with previous, previous girlfriends. Oh, not good. Not good. No, no, no. Divisive. No. Now I'm betraying my mother on South Beach Sessions. She's still alive. I'd be so much more comfortable talking about this if uh, when, I was <laughs> when, <laughs> when I was on that park bench with my father weeks ago, she would have passed. You're, um... <clears throat> All right, I won't do but that. But she's still here. Yeah, she's I won't still do that here. To her. I won't do that to her. I will not let you um, kill her by betraying confidences. <laughs> <laughs> that story, whatever that story is, that's a little. That's a little too close. It's a gonna, too close to the bone. It's going to be a real uncomfortable call. Whenever it happens, whenever that gets I'm, back, I'm calling you immediately to, <laughs> to find out that story because that sounds like a good story. No, but my family. Oh my God, my family made it so hard to connect with other families. Yeah. Um, it's hard to explain to people what an exile's life, uh, and I'm not talking about mine because I was shielded from it, but I, my grandparents and my parents get to this country and they're not letting anybody in, not anybody different, just people who look and think like they do, like there's safety in that, there's safety in the tribe of that, Miami, that's all over Miami, it's all I ever saw in Miami, like it's only... When they started sending me to schools that had somebody other than Cubans in them, that I sort of started learning some of that stuff. I just started to, I'm getting to the age with my parents where they are human more and more often. And I guess that's not a good description. Where they need more help. Yes, it. you end up becoming somebody, uh, I think, and I wasn't expecting this, uh, they become children. The older, the older they get, life ends up getting reversed. And now when you get into your 70s and 80s and 
90s, you end up taking care of them. Yeah. Uh, you couldn't have, you, you didn't see that one coming? It's not that I didn't see it coming, but it's, it comes at you fast. Like, you know, it's coming. And while you also have children, it gets really challenging. What, I mean, I guess the, the hip surgery for your mother, what has it looked like for you? I mean, mortality, uh, they, I've seen their age. I mean, my father on television uh, was aging so that at the end, and not a lot of people know this, it's not, a, uh, it's not a thing that I have talked about before, but the television show ended basically because my father uh, didn't want to do it anymore but couldn't explain to me that he didn't want to do it anymore, and so he was just doing things to sabotage it. At the end, it was an amazing thing to watch, right? Because he totally faked the holdout with ESPN asking for more money uh, when he didn't want more money. And then they gave him more money. And he's like, fuck, I got to stay. I, I thought that that was going to work. I thought I thought I was going to be able to trick them, get out a side door. They had insulted me by not paying me enough money. And now I have to stay here and sit next to my son. It was, some, it was one of the strangest things because I actually... So this, this happens. It's true. My father... Uh, gets let off. He had spent his entire career getting to freedom, getting to work in this country, and then at 59 years old, he shows up one day, industrial engineer, made a good life for himself, worked hard, and had a was a factory manager at a fiberglass plant, plant in, in Medley, Hialeah. Gets to the office, and uh, all his stuff is in the garbage can. They've changed management. Like all the stuff on his desk is physically in a garbage can. And that's it. 59 years old. Uh, he, you're fired. The job is over. You've always viewed yourself as a, a, a provider. And uh, your identity is you're the man of the house, the Cuban man of the house. And it's to provide for your family. Boom. Identity gone at 59. Can't get another job. So I got to figure out something for him to do. So that he's not making my mother crazy being 20 hours a day with a lost identity in his 60s. And that was the television show. It's like get him to do something structured and daily that he has something to build an identity around. And then it went to his head. And after eight years, he just decided I'm too big a star. I can't do this anymore. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to come into work. for. But dad, you only have to work an hour a day and they pay you a lot of money. That's it. I'm fucking done working. <laughs> I'm done. I've worked all my life. I'm done. I'm going to retire. I'm going to shuffle around over here until I die. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> they, all of you, leave me the fuck alone. I'm not working anymore. I've worked for 50 years. Enough. Not for you, Dan. Not for mom. Not for anyone. I'm done working. I'm retired. Well, what does he do now? Putzes around the house. Makes my mom crazy. It's not because he has anything better to do. He just wants to be old and left alone. <laughs> he does not want to be a TV star. He does not want you to bother him when he's eating a ham sandwich and a delicatessen he just wants to be old when's the last time you were like not working Woo. <laughs> uh, when i took a sabbatical when I, I took a sabbatical for a year uh in i'm gonna say my 30s i'm gonna say oh wow actually no it coincides so here it is so here it is so it coincides i, I hadn't even thought about this in a long time so I would say the, the, when I realized that I was an adult was in my 30s, after my dad, uh, so my dad, after he got let go from that job as a Cuban exile, uh, went crazy. 
went crazy in a way that I had to go into a uh, I had to go into a facility where people were clucking like chickens to go get him from it because of the damage of losing his identity that way. And when I get there with my mother, she passes out, like just at at how overwhelming all of that was. And that's when I realized, oh, okay, I'm in charge now. I've, I've got to take care of this. I got to take care of this family. Like this is where it starts, where I have to be the adult that takes care of everybody here. Families tend to follow patterns. Do you have like that fear for yourself? You work a lot. Uh, yeah, I don't want to work this much. I'd like to work less. And, and that was the only, I took a year off because I needed to tend to a bunch of different things that required my attention. And I, I guess I've been trying to, uh, <laughs> to, I've been since then trying to get to a form of a better and an easier balance, uh, with, with that. I don't want to not work. Right. Right. Dominique. Right. I just want to be able to enjoy everything I'm doing at work. Like I told my father, this is it goes back, it's one of the stories my mom loves to tell from when we were young. I was at the table, and my dad used to always come home complaining about his boss, always. He got into a fight with his boss, da 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 What do you want to do, kid, is what he said to me. I said, I want to do something I love and make a lot of money. I was, you know, whatever, eight years old. And he's like, yeah, good luck with that, kid. Good luck with that. No such thing as that. I want to make a lot of money and uh, have a lot of fun. And so I get to the job. Look at the job, it's right here. It's right, look at it, it's a lot of money and it's and it's a lot of fun. Fuck you, dad. <laughs> it sounds like you want what you had at ESPN. I don't want what I had at ESPN. I miss just sort of the general safety of not being responsible for everybody. It's much easier when Disney's taking care of the healthcare. It's not, yeah. it's just, it's, or safer, it's mm -hmm. safer. And, but you know, I don't need to tell you this and I'm not going to get you in trouble with your employer, but uh, it became unsafe there uh, for us. Yeah. Like it just, it, it, they, the thing we were doing, they were not, they no longer were helping us build. Yeah. Um, who are you? Like, I, I guess I'm, I'm wondering, we talked about identity and I get a lopsided amount of it from my work. It's an easy place to hide. So when you imagine going on picnics and having the free time to travel and Herd sheep in Ireland with uh, Valerie. I'm going to Costa Rica for her birthday. I'm going, yes, we are going to do those things. We are presently, we are traveling the world in between work-related stuff, and I'm trying to get to more and more of that. The thing that was hardest for me that I did not expect, because I had other contracts on the table when I stepped away from football, and I stepped away in part because it was... I didn't love it like I used to. Um, and I thought that there was more things out there for me in the world to do. I didn't, I never appreciated how much of my identity was tied up and being a football player. And it just struck me that it could be even more for you because like I, I had a wife and a kid and one on the way soon, and um, and I had other things, and I was young. You, I'm not young. 
are not young and don't have, I mean, you have a wife, but you don't have the kids, you don't have the other things. And you said a lopsided amount of your identity is tied up in that. Are you concerned about what happens to you? Because I, I guess I started this by saying for me that I didn't anticipate having a hard time um, finding an identity because I thought I knew who I was. But I didn't know who I was outside of being a football player until I stopped and was like, oh. And then the executive thing was something that wasn't for me at the time. And then I stopped that. And then I Well, you keep started. learning who you are. Isn't that, isn't that the path? You keep going? I, because you and I have had these conversations about creativity, and you and I have had the conversations about, hey, Dominique, you, you can be a performer and impact the world and not have it be silly by having the things that you say and do be fun and charming and interesting and creative and thoughtful and change views because you're using the platform in a way that's artistic. It took bravery for you to realize that that's what you wanted after football, after business. How would Valerie describe you differently than you would describe yourself? Oh, um, she... I do a great deal of self-ravaging. So she would describe me in in stronger terms than I view myself. I, I wish that I could view myself the way that she views me and vice versa. I would say those Pablo did our wedding vows. And one of the things that she said that make me made me break down on the aisle, uh, she told him was, I wish that I could see myself the way that he sees me, that I, she wishes that the, she could judge herself and it wouldn't be withering. It would be a, uh, a careful, gentle, love um and so i i think the way that she would she would just describe me in terms that are more uh loving gentle heroic than i would describe myself there would be some there would be some criticism of any way that i would describe myself it would be not it would not be boastfully uh elegant and noble how would valerie describe you you told me it would be better than you would describe yourself but you like is there a word a couple of words that you think she would use that you think that you wouldn't use yes there are a couple she would she would describe me as a boss like a boss a boss like rick ross like a boss like like i don't look at myself that way no seriously like she would I don't. I don't think of myself as a leader, as a boss, as any. I, I don't think of myself that way. Um, I've walked around South Beach with you. <laughs> I've never walked around South Beach with Rick Ross, to be fair. But people treat you like that. I, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't view myself that way, and I don't understand. I don't understand that perception of myself. I. I think I have blind spots about how people see me, like people. People seem to think that I have it all together or that I will figure it out. And I don't know why or how they see that. That's not what I see in the mirror. Have you figured it out? I'm working on it. I'm trying. I'm closer than I've been. I'm closer than I, I am closer than I have ever been to figuring it out. How would you describe Valerie? What's the, the word that you would use for Valerie that she wouldn't use for herself? A light. She thinks of herself as dark. She's dark, funny, and stuff. But uh, and she's had a she's had a tough life. Uh, she 
she's had grieving uh, and she's had hurt and and pain in a way that I have not. I've been I have not been hardened by by pain, and yet she uh, she remains someone. Um, I've had like I've had strong visions of of chasing her toward a light, uh, child-like, playfully, um, because uh, because if I follow her, her youth and her exur- her exuberance, I too will find light. You found more than you found before. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. Because I don't. I I've never done joy well. I've never done joy well, and so she leads me to it gently uh, by the hand, by um, by teaching me about myself, teaching me things I didn't know, teaching me things uh, about life and love that I didn't know were available to me. I I thought I I was not go- I was never going to feel this. I was going to go to my grave not knowing what this felt like. You think that this is a place that you could have gotten to without that? No. No, no, I think, I think, um, I think that she is unique. And I, I also would not do the soulmate stuff though. I would not like believe across the cosmos through astrology, someone brought here, uh, to teach me things, but the way that she makes me feel about myself and about our relationship and about what I'm doing. It's the closest thing that I have known to whatever man can call God, that feeling, whatever, like I imagine it's how you love your children or what, whatever the depths of your capacity for feeling for someone as a human, I would say that on earth, it's probably the closest thing we would know to, to knowing God, if 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 you don't believe in that sort of thing, the people who ask me like, "What's it like to have children?" I kind of say that kids feel to me like drugs, and that they make everything so much better and also so much worse. Because <laughs> I've never been sadder or more scared or more angry in my entire life. And you can think of all the things that you may have experienced. I've never, and it's minor things. And then also. I've never been happier. This, like, it really hit me. My sixth grader right now, I think, was in third grade, and I was driving her to school, and she was in the back seat singing along to some terrible kids' bop version of a popular song, and she's just singing. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror at her, and my eyes well up. God is there. I'm so goddamn happy. And I'm like, this is so stupid. Who And like, if you would have told me a few years ago that I'd be happier in this moment where I'm doing nothing but driving a kid to school because she's so happy. <laughs> you wouldn't have understood. Like if I tell you you're celebrating the end zone after a pick six and I come over here and tell you, you know what's going to make you really happy in a few years? Not even close. It's not even close. It's funny, right? It's not even close. And like giving up a game-winning touchdown, the sadness that I felt when the whole city is like, you ruined our chance. You're the worst corner. Like the sadness that I felt is not even close to the sadness I felt when like my son is disappointed or my youngest daughter is like upset about something. Not something frivolous, but like something that I can't fix. Like I can't change the world. I can't bend the world. You'd to, like to. You I'd, would. You would. I, I'll try. 
but I can't. And it's like an unfairness and injustice to them, and they recognize it, and they're upset about it. You have to risk those low ends to feel the high ends, right? Like, if you make me think about it, because I've spent not very much of my life thinking about why I haven't had kids. Like, I really... You, you ask the question as if I might think um, that and have some regret in the future uh, about this. But uh, I have always been very even emotionally to protect myself, to convince myself, oh, you're not excitable, you're not depressed, you're safe in the middle. And that roller coaster that you just described, the high end of it, is sounds blissful. Like, Dan, why would you risk going to visit God if the low end of that is you're going to go to hell and you're going to feel something really terrible? Like, it's I'm generally, outside of work, I'm generally risk averse just about everybody, everywhere else. What, what did that moment look like for you with Valerie? Like, the idea that it's she is that light. I fell in love with her outside of my comfort zone uh, in the woods in Jacksonville at a music festival of weirdos uh, because she wanted to be close to the earth in the uh, spiritual dark of people making music in a place I would never go to if I wasn't following her toward the light. It's not for me. It's not where I want to be. The cabin's uncomfortable. I'm not a cabin person. <laughs> obviously not a cabin person i don't need to explain to anybody that me cabins no uh but it was very much a a feeling she wanted to go to the woods for reasons that i cannot explain we were still in the dating process and symbolically outside of my comfort zone as i am with all the things since then with her with great growth and prosperity in in my spiritual living um I was just knocked over by her in a moment falling in love the way that you would fall in love in in the romance novels, not even thinking that that was possible for me, right? Like just realizing like, oh, okay, I love, I love this person. This is what this feels like. This is what this is supposed to feel like. It, it makes songs make sense. Like I feel like that's the way that I would explain it is like songs that I've heard my whole life. It's like, yeah. oh, that's a good song. Yeah. Then I'm like, oh, shit. Well, you could, well, this is the thing. That's a good example. Music as art is a good example. I would say that one of the many things that Valerie has taught me that I didn't have access to before, and this is a stunner for me, is like, oh, that's what music is supposed to feel like when it feels good. That's what happens when music reaches you. That's what happens when an artist is singing with their soul into a microphone, and you're like, oh, you were hurt by that, or oh, that was... Love and you're expressing it in the most artful, wonderful form. I never heard it that way before because music couldn't reach me that way. It feels like that's true about a lot of art in that it tells you a lot more about the person experiencing it than it does the person who's like performing it because you have to have felt it to feel it. You can have somebody explain it to you, but you need to be thinking about something like they need to mind you of a heartbreak you had for you to feel it or remind you of a love you felt for you to but feel I, it. I, so I never understood that though. I never understood somebody saying the idea of, well, I just knew I just, I, you, what do you mean? You made a lifetime commitment for half your stuff on, <laughs> I just knew like, no, explain it to me logically, intellectually. Why would I give up all of my freedom? Uh, why would I, why would I do that to, and you couldn't explain it to me. 
Like, there was no explaining it to me. I wouldn't have believed that I could have felt it until I felt it. And then when I felt it, I was like, oh, that's what it is. Okay, that's what people are talking about. I feel like you use an antiquated definition of freedom. Like, antiquated in your own way. So don't you feel freer now than you did before? Yes, is the, is the short answer. But you have to have somebody show you, or I had to have somebody show me that I was looking at things all wrong. And she didn't show it to me by telling me it. I just felt in the friction of what was the first eight months. I remember very early on in our relationship, uh, uh, she said to me, because she didn't think she was going to work around or be able to work around all of my patterns, you don't want this and I didn't know what she was talking about. Like, I didn't even understand. What are you talking about? We're dating. I'm coming out of a relationship. I'm heartbroken. Like, this is good. This is fun. This is like everything. Oh, and, and here's the reason for it, by the way. I sent her in an alley to deal with a locksmith because, uh, like, an alley behind our house because I didn't know how to be, like, a man who handled that shit. Like, women handled that shit. My mom handled everything in our house. My father doesn't know how to hang a picture. I, he never taught me how to hang a picture. I can do nothing. Never mind cabins. I can do nothing. I look at a broken toilet, and I'm like, Valerie, what the hell are we going to do about this? She's like, Isn't that, shouldn't you know how to do that? I'm like, I don't know how to do any of this. The thing that I can do at home that is a man's work is I could take that giant water jug, and I can pick it up, and I can put it over there. That is it. Everything else, you got to handle. I don't know how to do anything else. But I'll get to a microphone and make people laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. I don't know how to do anything. Those Levitard men and grandparents didn't teach their kids to do anything but work. Have you learned those things? or you? No. Now I, I, well, this is what <laughs> I learned. You learned that the Valerie does No, that. no, no, not Valerie. The greatest lesson my, I'm, <laughs> the greatest lesson my father ever imparted, and it's absolutely something that I borrowed from him without even knowing it, because I'm doing a million things now that my father used to do, is my father's only friends were the people who could do that shit. <laughs> the, on, like, we, the only friends my father has, has ever had are the people who can come and help him fix things that a man is supposed to know how to do that he never taught me. Oh, God. Um, this has been incredibly therapeutic for me. I think, um, I don't know if I can speak for you in this, but all the things... You talked about how um, Valerie's showing you parts of yourself, and I can give a ton of examples where the same things happened for me with Ashley. Um, and the number one example was when I was going to, or like the most kind of uh, eye-popping, I guess, example is I came out and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to business school. I'm going to apply to Maryland. I went there. They have a pretty good business school. They let me in. And she, you said how Valerie views you. Is different than you yourself. My wife was like, what? Maryland. Like, it's a great school. We went there. Like, she chose to go there. She had scholarships to, like, Ivy League schools and stuff. She's like, no, I want to stay close to home. And one of her friends had already went there. So she's so like, we like Maryland. We, were, we give them money. It's all cool. But she was like, eh, not for business school. Like, you could. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't have a choice. <laughs> you what better were, study for the GMAT. But what were you doing there? You you weren't underestimating yourself, right? She wasn't seeing something in you that you didn't believe was in you, right? Or, or was she saying to you, you're better than this? Like, what's the matter with you? Why are you shooting low? 
Yeah, I think so. I think I was underestimating myself one, and I think the other thing was being considerate of her. It's like we, she's from D.C., Maryland's just outside of D.C., and I was like, all right. And she was like, no, I'm in this with you. Uh, we're, we'll go wherever wherever you want to go. And she had gotten barred in um, Maryland and D.C., and it was like she was doing um, uh, special education law at the time, and I was like, you know, we'll go wherever you want to go. And so... We were, the funniest thing about the GMAT thing, how I say, like, she's smarter than me. I would be in that room for eight hours a day coming out only to poop and eat, studying for the GMAT, and she'd take care of everything. And then she'd come in and take a look at one of my questions and just knock it out the park. One, <laughs> one that I've been working on for, like, an hour. It's like, I really can't get this. And I would, like, be doing this as, like, an ego boost. It's like, I'm going to throw it in front of her. She's going to fumble on it, and I'll be okay. And it's like the hardest questions, like 800 level questions. Shoot. Five minutes, nailed it. And I'm like, oh, we doing this wrong? <laughs> Take your ass in that room. <laughs> you guys would have been so much more successful grabbing at whatever the, uh, the intoxicants are if you had followed her instead of her following you. <laughs> but she knows better. She's smarter. Like, she knows... I don't know. She, I feel like she has a better gauge for her. And what I was trying to get to before I got distracted by uh, us fawning over our wives, who, like, I can speak for mine. She's not perfect, so leave her alone. Don't try to take her from me. <laughs> but I was just getting to the idea that this is a good exercise for me because I'm not great with, I do think, like, I'm like you, but a little bit ahead of you. Is like I wasn't always good with my emotions. I'm better now. I'm still not great with them. But like these are not things that I would say to her unless I've already said them to you. Is that right? And I'm going to go back and say them to her. She would probably appreciate that if you would communicate these things to her. Yeah, yeah. It seems like she would. It seems like she would. I could, I could just play this for her. So it's a simple gratitude. Hey, cut this up. That's right. Cut it up and send it cut to her. Up. As a send clip. it to Ashley. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't know. It's like things that you know. Uh, maybe I, I just speak for myself, but like, I don't know. I feel like when I say I love you. This is what it means. It covers all of it. Yeah. It covers all. I love you. This speaks for all of it. I don't have to give you more words than that, right? I love I you. you. I, I love you is not not enough. I'm yeah. still here, ain't I? <laughs> <laughs> repressed, repressed caveman athlete. I'm gonna go back and tell her, and I'm gonna show her. Oh, for the love of God. Baby. For the love of God. I learned from the best. You got to end on a laugh. Greg Cody. Greg Cody. Uh, <laughs> oh no, he's the worst. Stugatz here for my friends over at Simply Safe. When you travel, do concerns back home nag you? Did you lock up? Did you leave a window open? That's why I recommend investing in Simply Safe Home Security today for award-winning security and peace of mind wherever your summer plans take you. I've had Simply Safe in my home for many years now. The peace of mind it gives me, especially during the summertime when I'm all over the place, is incredible because I know the things I care about, the things I value back home. I can always keep an eye on it using Simply Safe's indoor and outdoor cameras. So do me a favor. Before you head out on your next vacation, make sure to protect your whole home with Simply Safe variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, plus add sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day, no contracts to worry about, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners real peace of mind. I want you to have it too. So right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect Monitoring at simplysafe.com slash DLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe.